You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. God bless you, Chuck. So excited to be here. This is part three of How Is Your Soul? Today is How Is Your Soul at Work? Or I have this really in the world. So I wanted to start right from the beginning to see how we've gotten where we are. God created the heaven and earth and everything in it. That's the beginning. We'll get to Revelations in a little bit. On the seventh day, he rested. And we often look at that seventh day as God doing nothing. Just chilling out after he spoke the vastness of the universe in. But where was he resting? You know, that's the bigger question. A lot of people are all worried about is it seven 24-hour periods or an older world? And then they try to get into some biblical thing of what does rest mean? But where did he rest? He was resting with his creation. God found rest in his creation. Oh, yeah. So that's important. God found rest with Adam and Eve. We are created for the presence of God. And then it says in, in Genesis, it says, And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, therefore, he not only created to be in the presence of God and be with us, God also created us so his purposes would flow through us to steward the creation. This is Paul's second, let's pray about it. Lord, we just ask that this is a day of healing and renewal and grace. A day that your word rests upon us and moves through us and forms in us. May all that is spoken today be a joy to your ear and a gift for this day. We thank you for joining us today. May your praises be to you. To be received as beauty and, and in love, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord Jesus, our Savior and Lord. It's important because in the beginning is where so much happens. In, at the beginning, everything is caught up in joy. The joy of belonging in God's presence because God delights in everything he made. Creation responds with joy. Joy is knowing that you're wanted and loved in communion with others. Joy is woven into the very fabric of creation. It's also part of our DNA. Joy is at the very foundation of reality of the beginning, and joy directs our life. Joy is the constant hum, the vibration of life. It's always there. We don't always know how to access it. But when we do, joy changes everything. Joy is fundamentally a relational experience. We cannot experience joy alone. The experience always involves another or brings another to mind. So the, the hermit on a hill, unless he's connecting to God or if he's having a memory of other people, his experience is joyless. We've all done this. Where we've been somewhere, we go, gosh, I wish the sun was there with me. Or we've been alone, and we're looking at nature, and all of a sudden the presence of God fills us, and we're like so joyful. 
But just to be on, to be solo is absence of joy. We're not wired that way. Also, what's it mean to be created in God's image? It, you know, is it a mirror image? Because if that's the case, if the mirror is broken, then the original is unaffected or unconcerned. Mm -hmm. Because the image of God, actually in the Bible, is the same words they use for idol. Sounds odd because they don't want to use a derogatory name. But what it means is we are to be the tangible presence, the character, and the attributes of God. God attuned his thoughts and his ways into us. And that's what our image is. See, God didn't just hang out with us to hang out. We belong in God's presence. That's the God with us. And from that place in his joy and love, we become a blessing to all of God's creation. That's God through us. Hallelujah. At this time in history, heaven overlaps earth. And the purposes of, of heaven existed on earth in the person of God and in the people of his creation. Genesis 2 ends with, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Whoa. So what happened? They end up covered in the shame. And it's really, to understand the fall, we really have to understand this shift. Because the fall introduces shame into the life of mankind. Destroying joy and fracturing relationship. The moment that Eve was asked, did God really say? Doubt entered her mind. From this little kernel of doubt, distress started to grow in her heart. And she couldn't be sure of anything. Her memories in question and her connection to God becomes distorted. Satan sees her distress and goes in for the kill. Surely you will not die. Satan had created a relationship, relational problem for Eve that never existed. He has called Eve's identity into question. She suddenly, in the distress of the moment, begins to feel deficient. Her relationship with God is at risk. Eve feels as though she's not enough. Something went, something's wrong with her and needs to be fixed. She falls into shame. Her identity as an image bearer of God, saving the love in her, Satan, the joy of her love relationship, is crumbling at the doorway of Satan. You know, I'm going to give you an example of a moment like this. Let's say that you're driving, and all of a sudden you get a sense you're a little bit lost. Now you know how to get to where you're supposed to go. You've got the directions. So the person with you then goes, I thought you knew which way, how to get here. And you're like, well, I thought I did too, but maybe the person gave me directions was wrong. And now you start to doubt the person that gave you the directions. And now, you're, now you're, the two of you are starting to get into conflict. And then you get anxious. And then you go, well, I thought you knew. I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation where something similar to that happens? This is what's happening with her. Suddenly, all that she knows is in question, and she starts to fall. So this is, and then Adam joins her. Boy, he's a lot of help. Oh, and so... Yeah. And then they go into hiding. Shame and now fear has entered the garden. All of it flies, and all of it can be restored. 
But instead of coming together and working to resolution, instead of going to the source of joy, they divide and isolate. They no longer have the capacity to handle the fullness of God's presence. Sin and shame stole the ability to believe and to receive God's love and joy. They have become disconnected, and so have we. God's heart broke, but he had to let them leave. Being in their presence would destroy them, and God could not do that. They were created out of love and shared his life. Their choice caused them to separate. God did not abandon them. He removed his presence as an act of love and mercy. This was not about anger and hate or disgust, but a temporary condition waiting for a solution. Heaven and earth are now separate and do not overlap. Mankind no longer shared the presence or the purposes with God. Now to go further, we now have a different view of God in the story of the Old Testament. God seems scary. He seems angry. He seems dangerous and old huge sections of the Bible. See, we over, easily overlook his mercy, multiple chances, and love. His identity in man's mind also is lost in the fall. Imagine you were in the 1600s and you watched a modern doctor. He keeps telling his patients over and over, you got to stop eating this. you got to stop drinking. You've got to change your lifestyle. The patient doesn't do anything. And guess what happens? His heart attack. Oh my God. So then this doctor, now look, think of your 1600s. You stand there in shock as this madman takes a knife, cuts open his chest, cracks his sternum, rips open his ribs, and goes in and starts doing surgery in his heart to do a bypass surgery, sews him back up, he's got tubes going in, tubes going out, and you think he's a madman. But the doctor's trying to save his life. His only concern is for this patient to have a long, long life. So is with God. We don't, we, our ways are not his ways. And so sometimes our view of God has been changed because of his plan of restoration. God's restoration made him very, look very different than his heart, just as this doctor fervently wanted to see this patient live. And so now God understands that for him to dwell with us, his people cannot survive in his presence, that he must enter a place that can contain his glory and protect his people. On Mount Sinai, God greets Moses. Oh, yeah. And he gave him more than the Ten Commandments. He gave him the plans to build the tabernacle. If you look at uh, Exodus 29, he says, There I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated for my glory. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. Then they will know that I am their I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Without a doubt. So God blesses them and he enters the tabernacle, later the temple, and he dwells with them. They're flooded with the blessings of his presence. They're returning home. God has restored man's role to 
to be present with God and to work out his purposes in their life. Joy has returned to earth. Heaven and earth overlap again. Israel is to partner in his purposes and, and, a blessing, and to be a blessing to the world. They were invited into the family and were to share in the family business. This isn't just their purpose. This is their joy. You know, the songs written during this time express joy like no other time. Now, they're the standards for expressing joy on earth. Let's take a second. Let's read Psalm 66, just the beginning of it. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. And they sing the praises of your name. Dying all night. Joy is on the earth. Joy lives in the presence of the people. But Israel, they start slipping away a little bit by a little bit. Baby steps. Eventually this leads to separation and exile. They abandon his presence and sought idols and worshipped false, false gods. When you read, when you read Ezekiel, he gives the story of, of, of an adulterous wife who he cared for so much, robed her royally with adultery. The stories of broken marriage that you see in the Old Testament speaks to this very, very heartbreaking moment for God. The God that led them out of Egypt and into the Promised Land, the God that protected them over and over again, the God that loved to dwell in their presence and to be their God, has been rejected. Shame leads to sin, and sin overtakes the nation of Israel. Once again, heaven and earth are separated, and joy has departed the earth. Then God does the most incredible thing. Rather than destroy mankind, he takes humanity upon himself and becomes human. While maintaining his godliness, God becomes the person of Jesus. Jesus is fully human. He pours himself into the ugliness of the violence, the hate, and the injustice, the poverty. He pours himself into all the earth. Jesus becomes the perfect, comes to bring the perfect image of God. And he dwells with man and gives man his purposes for their life. Tidings of great joy are the announcement. For joy is returned to earth. Heaven and earth overlap again. Hallelujah. Everywhere Jesus draws himself to the unwanted, the marginalized, the outcast, and the despised. Lepers, un unwanted women, the blind, both Jews and Gentiles are included in this circle of dwelling and acceptance. Even the chief tax collector, one of the most despised men in Judea, Zacchaeus, has dinner with Jesus. The baptism of Jesus, though, sets a foundation for us to delight in and to find our joy. I'm using Mark chapter 1 here. At that time, Jesus came to, from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The father speaks over his son, actually just as he did at creation. Because God knew what was going to happen. This is before Jesus has done anything. This is how pure delight in his son. Jesus hasn't told a parable. He hasn't healed a cripple. 
doesn't cast out a single diamond or a demon, and the sky is ripped open, and the Father blesses him. The joy of the foundation is the foundation of Jesus' life. The joy of the Father is a foundation. From this unshakable place, Jesus would die for our sins by the brutality of the cross. Jesus' mission is to bring you and I into relationship with the Father and to hear those same words with you, I am well pleased. Joy lived to be a joy giver and he died to be a life giver. The place for man is in the presence of God and the purposes of God are to flow through us as a blessing to all people. The purpose is made real clear by Jesus right after early in his, his, his time, right after the temptation, where he's in the synagogue, in Luke 4 it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. The world still rejected Jesus and killed him. But he rose again in victory over all the powers of Satan. Jesus has defeated shame and has brought into the earth that was brought into the earth long ago. And interesting, I, I thought this was kind of interesting. As you recall, when Adam and Eve left the garden, they, they, a cherubim was put in place to guard the way to the tree of life. And he held a sword, a flaming sword. And throughout the Bible, you see a reference to the sword of being a reference to truth. Or, or some of us say the word of God, which is true. Then Jesus speaks these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is a direct connection to the return of man to the Garden of Eden. And it's through Jesus. No one comes to, to the Father but through me. By, by raising from the grave fully human and rising into heaven fully human, Jesus has established humanity to be in his presence and to bless humanity in his purposes. By the power of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost, man has now has the life of God dwelling in us. Jesus did this for the sake of joy. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus also establishes purposes to flow through us to make us all, to make all disciples, to make disciples of all men. I'm sorry. Heaven and earth once again overlap. As the presence and the purpose of God now dwell in us. See, before this, that point of overlap was the Garden of Eden. Then after that, the point of overlap was in the temple. Then the point of overlap was in the person of Jesus Christ. Now that point in overlap is in each of us. You are the point of overlap where heaven meets earth. So this is our next step. We talked about our soul growth in Christ as individuals, about soul growth in our family. Now it's time to take heaven with us everywhere we go, the very image of Christ our Lord. We carry joy, we carry peace, we carry love. But I kind of fear something. I fear that we've come to the River Jordan 
They've got to be standing at the shore and we're unwilling to cross. We have become a people of the presence of God without the purpose of God flowing through us. Instead of, t- of taking the promised land to expand the kingdom of God, we've gotten comfortable. We built our homes on the shore. We got waterfront property. And we enjoy it with our neighbors. They built their homes on the shore. We work on this side of the river. We go to school on this side of the river. We really have no intention of crossing the river. It's time to cross the river and to fulfill, fulfill the dual purpose of our creation to be holy in His presence and to do His will for others. You don't work as a cashier, as a mail carrier, or a nurse. We go to work as children of God that happen to fill these positions. You don't show up on your job with Christianity in your backpack. It is a fundamental, it's our fundamental identity on this planet. We walk in the presence of God intent on blessing others with his purposes in our lives. Heaven goes where we go and meets where we meet. When you're there, the lights never go out in the building. I wish I, could, uh, I wish I could testify that every day that I entered the dealership that the image of God was the first thing that walked through the door, not the chocolate car guy. I mean, I, I do believe that God's purposes and, and, and His presence were there enough that they knew who I was. And I know that some people were blessed that I worked with. But I can't say that I was always following my own preaching. I know I look at Rick Baumgartner, I, I look at him, I say, I'm certain that his identity as a child of God walks through the door before his identity as an attorney. Blessings of God flow into his office because of the presence of God in the overlap of heaven and earth in Rick. You know, you may volunteer, you may be just raising kids or grandkids. You might be looking for work. Everywhere you go, heaven overlaps earth. And you're a blessing to others. You are holy. Dying all night. Before I finish, I did want to mention one other part of the kind of link. I think it might be lingering. I'm not sure. Some of us may have had very little relationship with joy, or very little experience with joy. Now, um, relationships may have been difficult, and rarely have they formed a real source for your joy. You know, we're still in a battle. Yeah, Jesus wanted the cross, but the evil one's still in gorilla mode. He's, he's always there to bite you and poke you and throw embarrassment into your face. So you feel shame. Well, rush to Jesus. Do not isolate yourself. Do not do what Adam and Eve did by hiding. Come to Jesus. He's perfect in his love. His joy is real and it's genuine. And when you stumble, come to him and he will restore you. And he'll do it without shame, but with love and mercy. He'll teach you how to love and be loved. He will be the point of connection with his body, his body of sons and daughters, to share his joy with you. Remember, joy is only found in relationship. And he wants to bring you into joyful relationships. No greater joy is found outside of a powerful relationship with God.
the creator of heaven and earth. And it may take time. Give it time. Give it time. It may be hard to lower your guard and, and, and your defenses. It may be hard to give me your fears and your hurts. I was that joyless person. So, you know, I don't always show joy at every moment. Excuse me. I don't show joy at every moment. But I find it daily. Moment by moment, person by person. I find joy in Jesus so much. Oh, yes. I stand with him as the Father speaks blessings of love and peace. He taught me how to love my wife and accept her love. And together we find joy. No doubt. And, you know, I wish I could really explain, you know, not all of us had easy times. And so when we hear this joy, 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 we're like, you know, yeah, right. I looked at Christians and I thought, they're faking it. And I looked at someone expressing love for me as, what's the catch? What are you asking me for? What do you want? Someone said, oh, gosh, Jeff, you're a wonderful guy. Uh, what do I got to do? I never could accept it. And you know, you talk about casting your crowns in heaven. Until you receive honor, you've got no crown. And we have to receive love, and God does that for you. And he, he redefines your definitions of love to go away from an economic transaction. Have you ever done that where you go to lunch with someone and they go, oh, I bought last time, are you buying this time? So you go, oh, I didn't, you didn't buy me lunch, you loaned me lunch. So, and, and so we, we get it, but now son will give and never expect things to come back. And she doesn't use the, well, I did this for you and you, can you do this for me and me? And I don't do that to her. I don't say, well, honey, I, I, I went to work today, so you have to do this. It's not relational. But that's where I, that's where I understood things. You got rewarded like a puppy. You know, and, and unfortunately, God's not that way. You know, each of us are representations of the person of God. His love, his peace, and joy are now part of your character and my character. They must be shared. It's, this is one of our deepest and most wonderful privileges is to bring all of heaven to every person that you can. I mean, is there anyone that you know that needs a, welcome, a joy of welcome connection to others? Anyone you know? Is, is there anyone you know that does not understand that God wants to be with them and loves them? That he accepts them? He doesn't just tolerate them, he loves them. Best places are usually natural places, gathering places, where you work, the gym, places where you eat on a regular basis, or just places where you hang out. I mean, those are places you already have a level of relationship. Dare to be all of you. All of you. Don't hide the, the best part. You know, just as Adam and Eve were given the responsibility to steward the earth, so are we to commune with every child of God, everyone he created, to put heaven in their hearts and to bring joy into the world. I'm going to mention something. 
I don't want to just repent here. I don't do this very well. And I'll do it often enough. I walk past people that I know are hurting, and I maybe the next one. And I, I, I can't move forward until I repent about what I've been doing. And I don't know if any of you share that same thing. Understand something. Repentance, if it brings shame, in it, that, that's a wrong spirit. Repentance actually is a form of worship. Repentance is telling Lord, I love you so much that I'm sorry for doing so little. I don't think you realize that for centuries God has been waiting to put you where you are. That, it, that for centuries through the prophets, through Jesus himself, through the saints, he's worked so that you get to be where you are at the very point where heaven overlaps earth. A lot of effort went into this for us to come to this point. And we, and we can't waste it. We can't allow this to be a, a point where we stop and we wonder if I'm good enough. It's not about whether you're good enough. He is. But he loves you enough to put Start moving your lips and things come out. Oh, yeah. Trust in the Lord. But until you really feel love for that person, you will always have difficulty doing this. Until you have real faith that what we say is true in Christ, until you believe that, it's going to be hard to say this. Challenge your heart and ask God to fill it. Because that's where the problem usually is. If I go up to someone and, and he becomes my missionary object, I'm not filling anything for Christ. I'm a belt notcher. But if I look at Marcus and I say, Marcus is, is my brother, and I, see, I, I see a face that, need, that, 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 that needs someone to talk to. That's when, that's when God comes alive. Dying old bite. And if you ever have a doubt of your faith, speak it to somebody else. When you have to articulate your faith, it's no longer just a fuzzy thing in your head, and you actually have to put words to it, it's amazing what happens to you. And, and I don't, I'm not saying do this for the, this reward, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit fills you. I keep saying, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Sp speak God's word to somebody else, and you'll be filled. You'll ball like Bob does all the time. <laughs> You know, Bob was just at an event this weekend, or last week, I should say. There were about 450 college students in attendance, and about 150 people came to Christ. They entered varsity. And they had 21, I believe it was, prayer rooms. And an amazing number of conversions happened in those prayer rooms. So, that's just giving your heart. He, he was so excited. He, he was like bouncing off the walls, excited about when this event was happening. <laughs> Why? Because his heart was for these people. His genuine love for those young people coming through the door made a pathway of God so that God could work through him. And so that's all I'm saying. Let's, let's end the excuses and be people of God. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, 
click the subscribe button in iTunes.